Welcome to The Leadership Line, a podcast that covers everyday work issues from dealing with jerks at work to feeling burnt out. Tammy and Scott's experience, along with their different perspectives, help listeners grow, examine realistic options and alternatives, and identify those actionable solutions to the tough issues we face every day at work. Welcome to the Become More Museum, where we make great ideas and art form. Ooh, I was thinking it was archaic. It went to art. I like that. (laughs) And I thought you were going to say, where everyone here is old. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Maybe I prefer classic. Oh, classic. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Old. I didn't say ancient. Thank you. I don't know. Is Carmen or Scott younger? I think Scott is. We'll compare birthday. Scott knows. He's nodding his head. He knows my birthday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Re- listeners, just so you know, Scott's face is saying, oh, I'm way younger than, than that hag. Uh, you are not the hag on the team. There's someone else who's the hag on the team. <laughs> oh, Scott call someone a hag, but it had nothing to do with age. It had to do with the fact that she was beating him at a game. Mr. Competitive. We are a competitive team, and we like that about each other. And things like dice games, just so you know. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, last week we talked a little bit about our book club and the upcoming book that we have for February 27, Talk to Strangers. I want to mention this morning a different author, a different book as a, a kickoff for our topic. Author Tracy Bauer talks about getting quiet promoted and Tammy's nodding her head like essentially kind of like what happens when you're you're doing really well and you just get more work there's no real there's no title change there's no money that comes with it you're just you're doing the work of somebody maybe higher on the ladder or a different job description uh, but it's maybe happened slowly over time or quietly. What's the pro and the con of getting quiet promoted? And what do you do if you feel stuck there? So my dad, who is now 89, at the end of his career, started talking about the fact he would say things like, don't be too competent, because if you are too competent, you're just going to get more work. And as you get more work, you're not going to get paid to do that more work. And you think about that. I was relatively new in the workforce when my father was leaving the workforce and kind of giving me this advice. And such an interesting message from a family that is, I mean, talk about work ethic. My parents, they were workers and they would work their full-time jobs and then they had part-time jobs. And then we had ways, side hustles, you know, of what we call them now. And so in that space, it was so different. That message was so different than the message I had been raised with that it shocked me that my father had that resentment. Don't be too competent because people will just give you more work. So this is something that It's never, ever come out of my head that my father actually said that because it's just not part of his value set. It was a weird thing. And it does happen in the workforce, which is actually kind of sad in terms of how it's seen. 
Scott, what's your experience with quiet promotions? Until this moment, I've not heard that term, but when you think about it, it is interesting. You give people some amount of work, you delegate, you grow them. I've never thought of not promoting someone when they hit a certain point. That doesn't even cross my mind that you would even do that. Now, that probably happens on purpose. It probably happens on accident. So again, I think that's just... And maybe uh, industry dependent. I mean, I work in a contracting industry, not a growing industry. And, you know, money for promotions was like, you had to joust for that. Right. So I think depending on all of those scenarios... (laughs) Right. The funny part of my brain said, wow, quietly we're, I'm taking on world domination. <laughs> okay, cool. I now run this country and that country. <laughs> Which, of course, you would like because that's your personality. It would, kind of, would be kind of interesting. Okay. And, and, and you're not money driven, which is the other side of that. So a big part of it is how does this human being see the world? Yeah. What is their motivation? And, you know, some people will just do it naturally because they want to learn. They want to grow. They're curious. They're, they're these other things. So all of that could be really, really good. I think the inherent risk is you could accidentally step in it with another leader or another team, even though you were like given the authority or given the task or responsibility to go do this. And you you could receive pushback that you weren't expecting if you're not prepared for that. If you're not prepared for the, how do I influence and persuade and get things done when I'm not in charge versus, oh, hey, now you're formally in charge and you get you get that piece. To me, it goes back to our podcast a couple of times ago. I, in my mind, I think to a point, this is a great way to engage and grow people. If you are not building a relationship as a leader and recognizing what motivates them, so you're doing whatever promotion means in your world then you run the risk of someone being like, well, whoa, you're taking advantage of me versus having the conversation of, hey, we're doing these for this development so that you can get to this career goal or this milestone or whatever. I think, Scott, one of the places that this happens is I'm just going to give all the bosses of the world the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Yeah. There are a few evils out there. Okay. However, I think the average boss is just trying to get crap done. Okay. And a project comes in, something needs to be done. And they look around and they look at their staff and they say, Hey, Carmen is my superstar. Carmen is the person that I know that when I give things to Carmen, it's going to be done. It's going to be done well. It's going to be done on time. And in fact, she's going to actually think about stuff that I wouldn't have thought about. And I don't have to babysit her. I can just kind of give it to her and know that it's going to be done. And I am so busy right now. Okay, Carmen. And then the next thing comes in. And it has kind of the same, it needs to be done. And I go, oh, Carmen. And the next thing comes in and it's like, hey, something. And I go, Carmen. And I have actually not thought about the fact that I have overloaded Carmen uh, because Carmen has now become my go-to person. And in doing that too frequently, Carmen has a whole bunch of peers and I have unintentionally grown Carmen and unintentionally leveled out Carmen's peers because I am not giving them those same opportunities and that same growth. And to me, this is where it happens is that I, as a boss, have not been thinking about distributing workload, one, but more importantly, intentionally growing across my all of my direct reports so that they're all stepping up. 
Because when I take that work and I put it across all of my direct reports and we're all stepping up, one person is not overloaded. And two, I am expanding the capacity of our department and how we're seen and the prestige and, you know, the reputation and all that kind of stuff so that we all win. And then there are opportunities where other people in the organization are looking at my team and saying, hey, there's some good people here and I need to think about, is there a spot for them? And then there are opportunities as we get more and more and more, because our department is is like seen as rock stars, we get more and more opportunities. There are more internal promotions even inside that department. So a big part of it is I just think leaders are not seeing the bigger picture. They're being reactive instead of recognizing their job is to grow people, not one person, to grow all of their direct reports. I can remember when the kids were in grade school, they were both like, hey, come to the talent and gifted program. And my question as a parent was, what's your talent and gifted philosophy? Which, of course, school administrators really don't know how to answer that question. Um, So usually I had to explain myself. So is it they're doing advanced work or they're getting a higher volume of work? And most of the time, it was they were getting a higher volume of work. And I lovingly said, that doesn't seem like that's talented and gifted. That seems like you're getting punished. And we would always give the kids the choice. Do you want to do this or do you not want to do this? Because it is this piece of, at some point, I worked with someone who said, I won't get it exactly right, but he said, they had so much work that you could assign us more. After the camel's back is broken, one more piece of straw doesn't matter. So give me 20 more pieces of straw. It doesn't matter. They're not going to get done. It's not going to get done. It's just piling it on. There is a place of you have to be attentive to that. And I think a piece of that then is, are you the staff person who is feeling like you are being dumped on? Okay. And if you are in that space, can you leverage it? Can you leverage the fact that you're getting all of these opportunities? And can you leverage that into, I have those experiences, I can put that on my resume, and I can use that at this organization or the next organization? Is there some learning lesson for you in that that you can actually go, okay, this is what's happening and how can I maximize my opportunity? Okay. How do I optimize the spot that I found myself in? If you are boss, I think you have to really sit down and think about this for just a minute. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a go-to? And are you actually harming your relationship with that go-to by continuing to go to that well? And are you harming the long-term opportunity for your department, your people, your team, by not looking at each member of that team and saying, how can I help them level up? How can I help each individual in that group become more? And how do I distribute this work so that as an entire team, We are continuing to raise the bar and I'm not leaving people behind in that. Because as soon as you do that, you create an us versus them. And as soon as you do that, you start to see that resentment. I am doing more than my fair share. And as a leader, that becomes your responsibility to manage that perception. And it becomes your responsibility to figure out how to get through it. There are times I am going to give stuff to Carmen, but I can't give everything to Carmen just because she's my rock star. I have other people who also need to be my rock stars. And that wraps up this week's episode of The Leadership Line. As always, feel free to reach out to us in the emails provided in this podcast description box and be sure to check out our upcoming episodes always announced on LinkedIn. 
Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.